welcome to episode 299 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller. How are you? Good. How are you? Okay. I've never I've okay. never felt more disconnected from the baseball world, even though I'm I'm in the heart of the baseball world in a sense, but I have no 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 sense of what usually I feel pretty plugged in. I know what the people are talking about on on Twitter and the blogs and everything, you know? Yeah, yesterday, well, I think it was yesterday. It might not have been yesterday, but you asked me what the sound should yes, be. Yes, that was yesterday. And, and, and I said, I said, mup, mup, mm-hmm. mup. And you had no idea what that <laughs> no meant. No idea. You are the <laughs> only person on this earth who both enjoys baseball and has never heard the Fallout Boys song. Yeah, I did listen to it after that. But, but yeah, I... I made, yeah, I made my wife listen to it as well. <laughs> it does sound like mop, mop, mop. Uh, I, I, yeah, I wish the, the podcast could just be you telling me what I'm missing uh, because I really... <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I haven't seen a game yet. I don't have TPS. <laughs> well, then we're not prepared to podcast, but we're doing it anyway. No. Um, I have heard I've, I have been listening to games, uh-huh. which is I've been, better. And I've been watching games. I've been I've been watching the Rangers play the Indians in Instructs, and the Mariners play the Reds in Instructs. So I can can talk about what happened there. <laughs> Tell me what happened there. Uh, oh, by yeah. the way, Ben, Ben, I, I forgot. I, I had a question for you before we get too okay. far in. Uh, earlier today, today, tonight, I was thinking about the number sixty. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could rate the number 60 on the standard 20 to 80 scale. Um, the number itself as a number. Yeah. What, what, what number would you throw on 60? Uh, probably a 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> future, future 50 or present 50? Both. I can't, can't really imagine okay. liking it anymore. Not a lot of projectability <laughs> no, to 60. Um, yeah, so my, my dates here are, are fully booked with, with baseball that no one else cares about. Um, I get up very early by my standards, uh, and then we meet for a while in a big meeting room and then we go to a ballpark and we watch a game. Today's game was very long and, uh, we try to focus on a couple players that they tell us to focus on but really have to kind of keep our eyes on everyone and then come back and write reports on those players and then eat something and then meet again to discuss the reports that we wrote on those players. And then it's time to podcast again. And then the day's over and then it starts again. Um, so how do they, do, do, how, how do they decide which players to have you focus on? Uh, I think it must just be kind of a spur of the moment thing because even the instructors don't know who's going to be starting the games until we get to the ballpark and we actually beat the teams to the ballpark. So, uh, we get the lineups when, when they show up and tell us who's in the lineup. And then I guess so far it's just been the starting pitcher and one starting pitcher and one shortstop. Um, so have you, uh, have you seen a single name that you, that you recognize? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the Rangers roster today was, the roster was was full of many recognizable names. Not many of them were in the starting lineup, uh, but they were playing the Indians, and Clint Frazier played uh, the, the fifth overall pick. Mm-hmm. From, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he didn't start. He came in for one at bat at the end and singled and, and looked like a high draft pick. Although, huh. I, 
my scouting on him is that his his bladder is very small. <laughs> it's what I picked up from him because yeah. at yeah. Instructs, the players have to kind of walk around, or at least at Goodyear, uh, the ranger the the Rangers Park, um, the players have to walk from the visitors' dugout all the way around behind home plate, behind the home dugout, uh, or I guess I got that backwards, um, to get to the bathroom. And Frazier went by at least three times over seven innings. So huh. I don't know what that says that... about him. I don't I don't think it affects my, my projection for him. Uh, but it seems like something to note. Because, you know, in an, in a game situation... You can't you can't be yeah. going to the bathroom that often. Uh huh. Anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, if he's, I mean, he's probably not, but it's conceivable that he's actually a seventy-year-old man. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it affects his aging and curve he's been in some way. About his age. Yeah. You would want to know. You would want to know if he were really seventy. Yes. So. <laughs> um, that's interesting. I would not be able to watch any. Once I noticed that, that's all I would watch. Then game. he's got, you know, he's. Got the the red hair and just kind of looks more like a baseball player than a lot of the other players there, and kept running past to go to and from the bathroom. So, um, I'm curious. Do you do you uh, think that they're going to teach you how to scout catcher framing? Do you think it's <laughs> it's it's it's, do- uh, it's doable? I think it's doable. I don't know that. I mean, I feel like the the closest that I have come to actual scouting in in my writing career is that. Um, and I, I've certainly spent a lot of time staring at catchers catching baseballs. Yeah, but I don't mean I don't mean on TV. I mean in yeah. The park. Uh, I think yeah. it's it's certainly doable. Um, we haven't really focused on a catcher yet, but I, I imagine that will happen at some point, and maybe all the gifts that I've made will will stand me in good stead at that point. Yeah, I've asked uh, two scouts that I happen to be sitting next to at games, and one of them was a former catcher, and he said, "Yeah, he can tell after about." you know, three or five pitches, mm-hmm. uh, how it, exactly how good the guy mm-hmm. is at framing. And the other one's like, yeah, no, no idea. Huh. No clue. Um, so, I mean, it do- certainly doesn't seem like the thing where you would have the best angle. Yeah. Like the best angle would have to be on TV, right? Or actually the best angle is not, is math. It seems like the best angle is probably a combination of math and watching on TV. Yes, I would say so. All right. So since you've been, um, out of touch. I'll give you both topics today. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So uh, first, first one is um, the Royals. Dayton Moore. Uh, we've talked about Dayton Moore. We've talked about the Royals multiple times yes. as as like sort of meta conversations about people saying dumb things and whether it's like troubling if your if your team's uh, officials can't help but say dumb mm-hmm. things um, and. Today, Moore said something that is generally considered dumb, I, I think, by, by people out there. Um, and uh, he said, Sam Mellinger, who's a, a very reasoned and, 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 and even uh, writer, wrote uh, his lead was, Dayton Moore said something stupid. This stupid thing he said will hang on him. His words will be mocked. Um, and what Dayton Moore said is, in a small way, I feel like we've won the World Series. Um, he later on after prodding uh uh explained what i'm saying i mean look world series is the wrong term but i feel very very good about where our organization is it means a lot to me you have to know how i'm wired the only reason i'm a general manager is that this is my boyhood team it's a special place for me 
Um, I have a strong relationship with my grandmother. She loved the Royals. When our games are on at night, I picture my grandmother and people of her generation loving and tuning into this game. I know how important it is to their lives, etc. I I just want to know, we just watched the Indians uh, get knocked out of the postseason. They got exactly one game. You know, they got one playoff game. Uh, And their season is generally considered a success, and the Royals is generally considered a failure. Uh, I just want to know if you think that well, there is a difference between their. Seasons. I don't know that the Royals' success was or season was considered a failure. Well, I think in a way it was, and and sort of uh, in, generally, in a way, almost by generally, I wouldn't. I don't know if it has. I would agree. I guess, but I th- I think that there's to some degree it's a little bit of bad luck, not bad luck, but bad circumstances. I mean, the thing about the Royals' season is that that James Shields trade mm-hmm. went suspiciously like we expected. I mean, it's very rare that a trade goes exactly as you expect, but it went exactly as you expect. I mean, every detail. Will Myers was good immediately. Jeff Francoeur was disastrous for the Royals. Uh, You know, arguably that switch alone cost them, you know, a a potential playoff spot. Um, Shields was very good. He ate innings just like they hoped. He was a strong starter. He was also not an ace. I think it would be... I don't think if his name were anything else, anybody would say he pitched like an ace, but he was very good. He's a, he's a good, he's a number two pitcher. He's good, and, and that's what he did for them. Uh, there's no doubt he helped them win games. Wade Davis was just as disappointing as he had always been as a starter for Tampa, and the Royals, as it turned out, hit the exact sweet spot that everybody was saying they uh, kind of were, were going to mm-hmm. do. They, they improved just enough to win 80-some games, but they weren't, Uh, a team good enough to be pushed over the top. Now, of course, we know, you and I know, that a team that wins 86 could have won 96, Mm -hmm. and they could have won 76, and that 86 is not the only outcome to a team of this Mm -hmm. talent. But optics-wise, it's really unfortunate that everybody said this about the Royals. Every single person said it's a terrible trade because all they're going to do is win 85 games, and they won 86 games. There were a lot of people who liked the trade. I mean, there were people who said, all right, they're going for it, and... You know, another sure another there were <laughs> not not no, not, not you know at baseball prospectus or sites like that maybe. Well, even yeah. even there, I can I can think of some people who didn't hate it, but but I mean mainstream, you know, people didn't hate it. I don't think. Uh, I don't like, even know what mainstream well, is. I, I mean, I mean what I don't even know main, what, what what you mean. People who don't follow baseball <laughs> didn't hate it. I, I genuinely, I don't even know what the difference is between mainstream and non-mainstream at this point. Yeah, well, you know, sabermetric and non-sabermetric. I mean, I feel like, I remember, uh, like, Ranny hated the trade, and pretty much everyone else in Kansas City liked it. At least the impression that I got from kind of following him on Twitter, freaking out about it for a while, and, and... I mean, my impression was that, you know, if you were in Kansas City and you read the paper or listened to the radio, not not everyone was hating that trade. Uh-huh. That's my impression, okay. at least. Um, you know, because it's like, you know, they're going for it and they haven't won in forever and they, you yeah. know, and the, the seven-year plan or whatever, that the time is up and and... You know, you can't wait forever for the all the young guys are on the roster, so now's the time to make the push and all that sort of thing. I yeah, I, I mean, my impression is that in a city like Kansas City, the local newspaper is always pro home mm-hmm. team. Uh, I mean, that's that's where 
that that's that's where their money mm-hmm. is is saying good things about a team. But I mean, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I guess you might be right. Um, but I mean, I I don't know. I think of mainstream as pretty much indistinguishable from the people that we follow. I mean, Keith Law has three hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. followers. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So it it has it has worked out exactly that way. And and you could say that a lot of things worked out better than you could have expected for them. Um, but they still ended up in that place. And if you, and no, and even though Shields pitched really well, according to any win value thing, right? If you, if you, if you put, put Myers in and just kind of put him over Francoeur for the whole season and subtracted Shields, they would have been better, right? Probably. I, I, uh, I think so. Just about pretty much a wash. And having, yeah. you know, and then you'd have more money and you'd have Will Myers. Yeah. So, so. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I get, I, I, uh, I actually didn't intend to be anti Dayton Moore uh, in this conversation. <laughs> I think I probably turned out to be, uh, but yeah, I mean, I see where he's coming from. I mean, it is a, it is a team that is going to go into this off season with a different kind of, pardon me for using this word, but a different aura around mm-hmm. them. Uh, it, it could help them uh, sign a free agent. I don't I don't put it past uh, the way the market works. I don't put it past mm-hmm. it to help them sign a free agent um, or at least to focus on what they, you know, to focus on their needs a little bit more. It was a consolidation year, maybe. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that they're necessarily in a bad position. But on the other hand, it, uh, they didn't accomplish anything and, it, they're to me they're just as likely to go down next year they're in fact i would say they're more likely to go down next year than to go up uh, yeah. so it's a little early to start sounding optimistic i mean i don't know it's it you I, i'm not sure if it suits dayton more more to sound uh like overly happy about the things he hasn't accomplished mm-hmm. or uh to be you know real like mean and be like ah oh, we suck well you got to be better because we're horrible i don't know which one is better for him i mean both of them have downsides and probably maybe maybe this just reflects his nature maybe he's just a sunny guy mm-hmm. yeah i don't nothing no, you can't hate a guy i for don't that. know if the typical royals fan i don't know what the mood of the typical royals fan is right now if the typical royals fan is just so beaten down by years of losing and not having a winning season in a decade um that this is considered a success because it was interesting right up until the end of the season. Um, I guess you could make that case, and I would I would make that case if not for for how the off season went and how the moves of that off season really seemed to be seemed to be targeted towards making the playoffs this year because yeah yeah because it was clearly going to hurt the franchise beyond this year. Um, so, I mean, in that context, yeah, it's, it's an improvement, but eh, I don't know if it's a, it's a success really. Yeah. In a weird way, that trade made this season a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they hadn't made that trade and had this season, yeah. it would have been a celebration. Yes, definitely. All right. The second thing, uh, geez, what, we what barely were, even what were the time. other things that we, the other, the Royals foot and mouth topics that we did there was the one where uh, the hitting coach said that they're not trying to hit home runs or something right right before yeah. let go and then 
uh, was that a was it a separate comment about the not being able to walk or hit home runs in Kaufman, or was that the same? I, it was separate. Yeah. It was separate comments. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm not. Sh- there might have been another one, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah. But yeah, one was Dayton Moore, and one was the hitting coach. So it's it's not a good thing to you know that these things keep becoming stories uh, for the wrong choice of words or the wrong wrong way to phrase things. Well, and they probably I don't know if they would be stories if John Daniels said it. I mean, it could just mm-hmm. be the anti. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, there there's a little bit of a of an anti royal kind of mood i think among well it's it's probably a little bit less now but um i mean poor dayton moore he he's the guy who signed jeff francor and who you know traded melky cabrera for jonathan sanchez i mean just can't catch break so uh all right um the quick thing uh the tigers announced that uh, max scherzer would be their game one starter um and this isn't a big deal or anything like that, but I had to, I'm writing the preview for that series. And so I had to leave those like kind of empty spaces because it wasn't clear who would start uh, that game. Um, and it seemed like you could have made a case for Anibal Sanchez. You could have made a case for Verlander. You could have made a case for Scherzer. I thought that it was going to be Verlander, but I really had absolutely no idea. And it just got me thinking that clearly Kershaw is the best pitcher in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, without a doubt. There's, there's nobody else. And if you ask me who the best pitcher in baseball is after Kershaw, I would probably would go with Matt Harvey or Hugh Darvish, both of whom are gone. Uh, Cliff Lee is gone. Felix Hernandez is gone. Strasburg is gone. It's not clear to me who the second best pitcher is. And so if I had to pick one pitcher, like if I could pick any one pitcher in these playoffs to start one game, I don't know who it would be. And that got me thinking about how it, how I should make that decision. And I wanted to know how you would make that decision. So, if you could only know one thing, you're, you only get to know one detail about all these guys, what is the one question you ask? <clears throat> uh, so so we're pretending that I don't know anything about these starters? It's just... You, you don't. You don't know anything. You don't know anything. Mm. Or you've forgotten. I mean, you know that you know Justin Verlander is famous. Uh-huh. And, you know, you know that he, he has pitched in postseason games before, but you don't you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Helpful. Uh, I, I guess I would want to know their um, their what exactly? Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't know. I guess I just kind of want to know their if I can only see one piece of information or one stat. I guess I just want to see their war or warp or whatever. But for, for, for what? what period? For how long? Um, uh, well, sure. Uh, probably more than one year, but not more than not more than three. Maybe the last last couple seasons, because I feel like pitchers we've talked about sort of their true talent might change more quickly than a position players, or your projection for them would change more quickly so like with Scherzer he he kind of reached a new level last year um he was a good pitcher before that but he especially like the second half of last season pretty much since then he's been you could make the case that he's been one of the I don't know five best pitchers in baseball 
Yeah, definitely. So you could have made the case. You could have made the case. I think that he was one of the five best pitchers in the American League before this season began. Yeah, maybe just based on how he finished last season. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that's all I need to know for him, I guess, to want him, and I probably would want him. But if Verlander had a higher warp over the past two seasons than him, which I think he mm-hmm. did. I mean, Verlander was only 0.6 warp behind him this year, hmm. and I imagine that he was quite a bit ahead of him last year. So you're you're actually taking Verlander. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah, and I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, see what I mean. Uh, okay, so so what's the minimum amount of time that we need to to change our opinion on who we would want in one game? Uh, hmm. Well, clear, clearly, so let me let me yeah, yeah okay. let me let me ask you this. Uh, Chris Medlin over the last over his last nine starts has a, a one point three seven ERA. Mm. He's got five to one strikeout rate. You remember Chris Medlin in the second half last year? I mean, unthinkably good. He was yeah. my number three Cy Young pick, even though he had like one hundred and ten innings mm-hmm. pitched. Uh, does is there any point at which nine starts would do it for you? If if the guy had a nine start scoreless streak, mm-hmm. is he your guy? If he was, you know, if he was just average before that, or a little above average before that. Uh, well, I mean, you I mean, don't know. He's, but if he's, he's just dude's, some... the dude's throwing fifty five scoreless innings in a row, you got to figure he's not he's not nothing. Yeah. Uh, well. It depends on the quality of those innings, of course. And it sounds like a cop out, but I mean, if you, you know, if it's a if it's Jeff Locke or something in the first half, not giving up runs or not having overpowering stuff, then then no, really no amount of starts. Well, some amount of starts, but it would have to be a lot longer than that for me to want him. But if it were Scherzer striking out everyone and throwing really hard, um, then maybe. The other thing is that warp is a is a counting stat, mm-hmm. but like Anibal Sanchez threw sixty fewer innings than some of these guys, and on a per inning basis is actually ahead of them. I mean, he had the best ERA and the best FIP in the American mm-hmm. League, and by a by a, you know by a healthy margin over the next best guy in the in the playoffs. I mean, over Scherzer's you know a half a run of ERA and a third of a run of FIP. Um, and I don't know who else you would be thinking of, but you know, like he's well ahead of David Price, and and he's well ahead of Verlander. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think well, length matters less, probably, right, in the postseason. Well, length matters, but I mean, he also he only started twenty nine games because he he missed five starts or four yeah. starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also yes, length. I well, length I would I would take the the effectiveness per inning guy, the guy with the just the best per inning rates in the postseason, as long as he's, you know, if he can go six or something instead of seven or whatever it is, I would, I'll, I'll take the guy who has the shorter outings and is more effective because you get more days off and you, and it's the playoffs. So you're playing like the playoffs and you're bringing so in you're, the So you're taking, so you're taking Sanchez then. Sanchez <laughs> is your um, game one starter. Nope, <laughs> nope. And I mean, come on, what we haven't even mentioned. I mean, do we? Does Clay Buckholtz even get a mention in this? I mean, on a per, per inning basis, his warp is up there with anybody. And he had like 
you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things you could say about Clay Buckholz, uh, but he had a 1.74 ERA. He, uh, I think his lowest game score was 49. Mm. Um, does, is there, mm. what do you, what do you do to exclude him? What is your, your reason for excluding him? Uh, well, he's, I mean, he's not, he's not as effective as Scherzer, right? He's not as overpowering as Scherzer. Well, he gives up fewer runs than Scherzer. He has, has given up fewer runs he this has. season. This year. Yeah, this season. But you don't buy it. He's got a lower FIP than Scherzer. Mm. And FIP is not park adjusted. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot lower FIP, really. Yeah, not not doing it for me. I don't know. Um. So you're going with Scherzer and you can't answer the question <laughs> is basically what it comes down to. He actually has the exact same FIP as Scherzer. Sorry. Okay. He's um, yeah, and, and Scherzer... What reason would I would I take Buckholz over Scherzer? Scherzer has he allows fewer. Well, he's allowed a lot fewer runs. Yeah, but that's got to be it's got to be partially some some luck stuff, right? Yeah, but he's he's allowed a lot fewer runs, like a lot, a lot fewer. Better defense. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. So you're taking Scherzer. I'm taking Scherzer. Is there someone you're taking right. other than Scherzer? I don't know, man. Verlander. He's he. Verlander in September was something was else. He? Yes. Yeah. He I was, was just his looking up his fastballs. His splits. His fastballs two miles an hour faster than it was in April and May. Hmm. And he was just dominant in September. I was on a radio show last night, and they asked me about Verlander, and. I was I was expecting the question was going to be about how he's he's back mm-hmm. and better than ever and how the Tigers will never lose, but it was actually about whether the Tigers are nervous because they lost six of his seven starts in September, mm-hmm. and I got completely <laughs> confused and I was like, wait, how did that? What? Why? And I so I just I thought, oh no, is the thing that I thought I knew wrong? And so I I hedged. It was pretty awful. <laughs> And then I went to the internet and it was like, wait a minute, he allowed like four runs and lost six games. <laughs> um, they lost They lost six of the seven starts, but he was uh-huh. incredible. Well, that's okay. So that's uh, how many starts? He made six starts in September. and So that's why I thought he might be the, pitched, the, the number yeah, one. Yeah, and pitched pretty much like Verlander. Is he, so is that enough? Yeah. Uh, since he's shown that before and just kind of had a lull, then you say maybe it's the same guy and you go back to him? Mm-hmm. Asking you, you're the manager. Uh, well, I don't know. Jim Leland likes the guys with the better win-loss record, so that's Scherzer. All right. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. That'll do it. Okay. Then. Let's end it. <laughs> All right. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with episode 300, and we'll be back on Monday with episode 301. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> See you later.